Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley with my partner in crime here, Mary Fran Bonchembo, and we are already laughing and loving in this Zoom room with Michael Unbroken of Think Unbroken. Look, all y'all that are fans of ours and that have been following this podcast, you know, as soon as you hear the word unbroken, You know why we went after him hard to come on this show as we are trying to move all of you from broken to brilliant. And now we're going to get a new perspective and perception on this whole thing of being broken. So Michael, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. So think unbroken. First of all, what is the, what is the main message of what it is that you do to clue everybody in on to, cause I want them drawn in just as fast as I was. And then let's talk about how it came to be. Yeah. Ultimately it's the hardest thing that we ever do in our life. It's learning to love ourselves and be the hero of our own story. You know, I, I work with adult survivors of childhood trauma. And the one thing that I know to be true about traumatic experiences is that really in essence, probably more so than anything Abuse is the theft of identity. And so what I do is I help people discover who they are, use the tools that I've leveraged in my own life and education to ultimately be able to know their values, their boundaries, their wants, needs, interests, and and be the person they know deep inside they're capable of being. You know, it's interesting that you say that because that's one of the things that we talk about when we say people get hit with these sucker punches and these train wrecks, Um, not necessarily child abuse, but whatever that might be. And that's actually one of the things that we say that those things take stuff away from you. They change your perception of what you thought you were, where you thought you were going. They do take away that identity. So I think that's probably even more um, experienced on a much deeper level when you're a child and your identity is just forming. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, think about this. The most dangerous thing I could do as a child was have an opinion. And so that holds true for so many people when they come from traumatic backgrounds. And then for a period of time, like realistically that serves you, I hate to say it, but it's true because you learn how to turn yourself off. It's a defensive mechanism for safety. And that becomes really in a sense autonomic. And then you find yourself at 18, 26, 37, 54 years old. You don't know how to say no. You don't know how to say yes. You're always appeasing everyone. Mm -hmm. And you're always in this place where life just feels like it has no control. And, and ultimately the thing that I discovered through my own journey and experience was I had no idea who I was at 27 years old. And this entire journey has been a process of not only figuring that out, but holding it, honoring it and not caring about what you think about me. Hmm. 
You know, I was, I was just in a, uh, doing a presentation for a group of educators and I was talking about, you know, we're all trying to get these kids, the skills of success and all of that. But when they're, when a abuse or brokenness is involved, you made the comment about it strips you of your identity. And I, I know it from my, my personal life, a child in my life that watching that happen and that identity gone, right. Then on top of that, everybody's trying to build these skills, you know, to, to get out in the world. And it, and it was the, the complete disconnect because then it was like, he was just floundering all over trying to figure, figure all that out. So I wanted, I wanted to point that out for folks that, that might be in that field that are, 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 or, a parent dealing with a kid that is kind of all over the place and it just isn't landing that that identity being gone. How do you, I don't I know we're going to go in steps here, but one of the things I think we need to unpack today is where do you begin with something like that? Where do you begin to reset that? Yeah. You know, I, I think that awareness is always the most profound thing that you can bring to the human experience. Hmm. And, and for me personally, it was just recognizing a few things. I think inherently we all subconsciously and even consciously kind of know what's happening in our lives. One of the really in incredible things about my childhood is I had to live with over 30 different families in the course of two years, being deeply impoverished and homeless as a kid. Hmm. And what I discovered was looking at the world through the scope that there are really, really great people and there are really, really not so great people. And you start to make meaning of these experiences and you look at it through this scope of, okay, there's something here that maybe is right or wrong. And you're able to start kind of putting together and cultivating this idea about what it means to be a human being. And when I found myself kind of hitting a rock bottom moment when I was 25 years old, you know, I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my partners. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was just like done with everything because it was so painful to be me. Um, I understand why people commit suicide because there's a sense of freedom that you feel like you're going to gain in that moment. Mm. And what happened was I was looking at my life and I was thinking to myself, I know this is what's so fascinating about this. I was thinking about, I know everything I need to be doing. I'm just terrified to do it. Because wow. the only thing I've ever known is you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. Who do you think oh. you are? And I started repeating those narratives to myself. And that put me in this spiral. I was majorly successful from a business standpoint, but the rest of my life was a disaster. And I think the key came from this moment. I'm giving you the first step. The key came from this moment. I went into the bathroom the next day. So after I put a gun in my mouth, I wake up the next morning and keep in mind at this point, I'm 350 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm eating chocolate cake. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm smoking a joint and watching the CrossFit games. Like <sighs> if that's not rock bottom, I don't know what is. And, what and I went in the bathroom for whatever reason, I looked at myself in the mirror and I asked myself this question. I said, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And that meant no excuses, just results. Because you see, I was allowing everyone by not acknowledging the truth that I have the power to create the life that I want to have. I am not culpable for any of the bad things that happened to me. I mean, when I was four years old, my mother, she cut off my right index finger. 
My stepfather was super abusive. We were homeless. I was a drug addict at 12 years old. I was homeless. I didn't graduate high school. Like I could like I I don't take culpability for any of those things. But looking in the mirror that day at 25 heading into 26, I recognized everything happening in my life at that moment was my fault, mm. whether through decision or indecision. And that comes from my lack of a care for myself because it'd never been modeled that it's okay to take care of yourself. And B, because I was terrified that I could be the person that I am today. It was the most unnerving thing on planet earth. And so I think the most important, the most practical thing you could actually do is go look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? Because when you do that, you're going to start cultivating acknowledgement about the experiences of your life. You're going to nakedly have to look at your inadequacies and be okay with it so that you have a marker for which you can start to move forward. People are so afraid of this idea of their flaws. Everybody is flawed. You got to get over it and you've got to be willing to do the difficult work because in that acknowledgement, the roadmap will present itself because I knew the thing that I had to do was get serious about therapy, get serious about personal development, get serious about nutrition and quit smoking and not cheating and not being a monster to myself. We all know what we need to do, but without acknowledgement, you're never going to do it. Hmm. So I'm listening to you talk about this and there's, there's this thing kind of swirling around in my head and I'm not sure if I can articulate it, but you talked about not having culpability, not having obviously responsibility for those things that happened to you. Is there something that kind of happens in your head that then you become afraid of taking responsibility because you never had it before, which is why you got to that place of just, okay, what's going to happen to me next? And, and like, like I'm, there's a disconnect between taking responsibility. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, spot on. I couldn't have said it better myself. You articulated it very well. Look, I, I think the reality is when you're growing up in chaos, that becomes normative. You go, oh, okay, this must be the nomenclature for who I am. Chaos. Great. So I'm going to invite it. Let me tell you this. There was nothing, nothing more enthralling in my life than being on the razor's edge of everything all the time because that's what I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to get into this place of whether you call it responsibility or personal trust, like whatever it is, that's newfound. So think about this. If chaos in childhood is certainty, then peace in adulthood is uncertainty. And there's nothing more terrifying for us than moving through uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing that you have to understand when you're used to sleeping in random places, getting beat, not having a say in your life, being homeless, doing drugs, like all the things that come along with child abuse. When you're in your 20s, 25, 30, 40, 50, I mean, I've worked with people as old as 72 years old. When you're in this place of life of trying to take back your life, but for many of us, what I think about is you're actually creating your life for the first time. There's nothing more terrifying than that because you've never been allotted the space to be you because every time that you attempted to step into that, there was a ramification. Mm-hmm. Like, I really mean it when I say like the, the most dangerous thing I could do is be myself as a kid. If I had an opinion, I was going to get my head smashed into a wall, like for mm-hmm. real. And so you learn to turn that off. It's safety. Mm-hmm. Cause like, think about this. 
what is the brain's primary functional purpose? Survival. That's it. Your brain does not care about your dreams. Your brain does not care (laughs) about your goals. It cares about one thing. If I do this thing based on learned behavior and experiences that I've cultivated over the years, am I in danger? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, cool. Then I'm not going to do it. I.e., raise your hand in class to ask for your need. Because at home, when you raise your hand and ask for your need, you're punished. So, of course, you're never going to show up in life. And next Mm. thing you know, you're 25. And the only thing you ever do is appease other people because that creates a parameter of safety. And so with that, the thing that you have to understand is in order to move into being the person that you want to be, you have to be willing to face that fear. Because when you're up here about it, you're never going to be able to move through it. But when you get in your heart about it and you ask yourself, what do I need? And you're willing to articulate despite the reality of shame, guilt, judgment, all those things that your brain starts spinning in your head about the thing that you most desire to make your life better. When you're willing to do it anyway, that's where you start to grow. Wow. Can I just tell you, Michael, everything you're saying about, you know, in childhood and impacting in this whole, in this example, me, and I know so many listeners out there that have been in bad relationships. It is that you are saying the same, it's the same thing for that. I mean, you go through an abusive marriage and then you come out of that and you're, and all you, you're so comfortable with, you know, how to manage abusive, overbearing, narcissistic, you know, how to manage that. And you find yourself in that again. Right. And then it's, and you're exactly right. It's that fear of facing, wait a minute, this is not what I want anymore. But then it's taking that step and looking yourself in the mirror. What do you suggest to people on both examples? If it's, you know, a a person that's flailing because they had the childhood trauma, a person in adulthood that had trauma, what, what, um, what kinds of, of things can we do? Right. What if they're feeling they're not strong enough to look in the mirror and say, I got this, or I'm going to face this. What were your first steps that you did? Did you just wake up that day? You looked in the mirror in the bathroom and said, I got this now. I'm going to do it all at once. Look, realistically, (laughs) I'm going to keep it real. And people aren't going to want to hear this. If you're not willing to take that moment and get unabashedly honest with yourself, your life's not going to change. Period. It's not. Mm -hmm. You got to stop waiting for Disney moment. You got to stop waiting for somebody to come and rescue you. Cause I promise you, they ain't coming. They're not. (laughs) And, and I wish they were, because I swear to God, if they were, I wouldn't be here talking to you because somebody would have saved me when I was eight years old. They're not coming. So stop waiting because every single moment you say, oh, I'm not strong enough. That's an excuse. I think Tony Robbins says it better than anyone. Human beings are only willing to tolerate what they're willing to tolerate. And if you're willing to tolerate yourself not showing up for yourself, guess what? You don't get to make any excuses because it's right here waiting for you nobody's going to give it to you though. And you've got to be willing. It's fear. Think about this. It's fear. That is the thing that stops people in their tracks every single day that keeps them from moving into what is next in their life. Because again, this look, it's causation and correlation. This is very simple. It's not that complicated. You just have to be willing to look at it. Um, One of my friends, Trent Shelton says something really incredible one time, and it stuck with me for years. He goes, fear is an acronym. It's face everything and rise or face everything and run. 
And that's what we spend the majority of our life doing. We're running from ourselves. We're more scared of success, of love, of companionship, of connection, mm. of intimacy, of vulnerability, of happiness, of peace, of joy, of all those things than we are of the feeling of comfort of suffering. And until you're willing to move through that, nothing's going to be different. So what's the first step? For real, it is about like brutal honesty with yourself. And then it's about looking at the systems that exist in the world to build a team of people around you who can support your mission for the thing that you're trying to create in your life. There's no question. Like, look, I was probably spent, I don't know, quarter million dollars and 8 million hours in a therapist's office. Like that's no joke. It was therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, the whole nine, men's trauma group therapy, all that, just trying to learn and understand. I have over 30 trauma-informed certifications, learning, understanding, education, coaching, get a coach, read a book, listen to a podcast, find, look, you've got to be willing to suffer through the learning phase to go to where you want to go. And you've got to be willing to ask for help. You've yeah. got to be willing to ask for help because look, I'm telling you right now, I am so okay with asking for help. I will do it at the drop of a dime because I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. And so if Kristen, you're not willing to do that, your life's not going to change. Kristen and I call ourselves doctors of nothing. And that is our, that yeah. is our hands up. You know, we both had those major experiences. Kristen always says the first blind person she ever met was her son. So no experience. The first heroin addict I ever met was my son. So, you know, when you have no experience, you, you do have to go outside of your, of your zone. And I think that brings up another point. You also have to be willing. And I experienced this with my son. You have to be willing to move away from people who aren't helping you or 100%. who are in fact har harming you and who are feeding into your persona as a victim. And, yep. and because there are a lot of people who are comfortable in that role and they seek out other people who are comfortable in that role. So if you're willing to, if you want to stay there, then stay with those people. But otherwise you have to take that leap. This is what I'm hearing from you. Figure out a way to make the brain understand that it's a safe thing, even though it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, and one of the things I think is really fascinating about this journey is, you know, victim is an identity. Mm -hmm. Victim is an identity. And when you choose to be that person, that's going to be who you are. You know, there's a, you can't see it, but there's a giant sign in front of me. I look at all day long. It says mindset is everything, but nobody, you know, we live in the personal development world, right? People are like mindset, mindset, mindset. Nobody tells you what it actually means. So why don't I tell you what it means? Because this will help create context in your life. Mm -hmm. Mindset is this. What you think becomes what you speak. What you speak become your actions and your actions become your reality. And so if you're sitting here telling yourself unkind things, I want you to think about this. Many of us, and this used to be me, say things that are so crass, unkind, and cruel to ourselves. If we said them to a stranger on the street, we would get punched in the face. <laughs> and like, we're expecting Truth. ourselves to be successful. Like that is never going to work because everything starts filtering through the language that we're using. The very first thing I teach anyone who comes into coaching with me is they take this thing called a pen, which is more important than literally anything else you will ever have access to in your entire life. 
and you write this down and you convince yourself of this until it's true, because when you do, everything in your life will be different. And you write this down. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And why does that matter? Because if mindset is everything, and that is what you think becomes what you speak and you speak become your action, your action become your reality. If you're operating through thought patterns of a person of kindness, when you're faced with moments of facing fear, the thing that will change your life forever, you will ask yourself, what would a person of kindness do right now? Hmm. Would they show up? Would they follow through? Would they commit? Would they be willing to jump off the diving board? Ultimately, in doing that, you will see that your scope of life changes. Everything around you will reflect that action because that's going to become your reality. And to your point, Mary Fran, one of the things I think is incredibly important is looking at and measuring the people around you. Because if you're asking yourself, am I being a kind person? Why the hell am I around people who are taking from me? Why am I around people who are in, enmeshing me into this idea that I'm not good enough? Why am I around people who are always spurring me on to negativity? Mm. When I think about my life and the things that have changed, the number one variable in success in my life has been the people I've been spending my time with, period. I'll go look at people sometimes just out of curiosity because I'm a human and I do stupid stuff like this. I'll go pop on Facebook. I'll be like, yo, what's that dude doing from 20 years ago? The same thing. Yeah, nothing's different. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's different. And so if your friends are like, hey, let's go get drunk. Let's go party. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And you're like, no, but you show up anyway and you're appeasing. That is because you're not operating through a scope of kindness for yourself first. I love it. You know, just last week, the week before I had, I had a, not an epic fail, but I, I didn't do well with something that I had intended to do well with. And typically when this would happen, I beat myself up about it, that whole unkind thing. And why weren't you prepared? And why didn't you do this? And you know, I did, I sat for the day and took a list of responsibility. What was I actually responsible for? No, I did not prepare the day before the way I should. I just took all my responsibility. And then gave myself some grace and kindness and said, you know what, this is something you can fix for next time. And some of these other things, it is what it is. And now we know better for next time. And it's one of the first times I'd ever done that. And I, by the next day, now, typically I would be in a pit for a very long time, broken and, and furious and unkind and all that very next day, I woke up with even more energy than before I had done the whole misstep just by what you're saying of being kind and taking responsibility. Because I think so many times we want to say it's the system. It's that person did it to me. And we, and we just stay comfortable in that victim role as opposed to, okay, I'll own this part of it. I'll give myself some grace that next time I'm going to do better. Yeah. Keep playing that role and watch your life not change. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. really it's that. And, and the truth is, you know what, there, kindness is everything. Like I think about my values every single day, honesty, kindness, leadership, self-actualization, no excuses. Those are my values every single day. That's how I operate my life, period. No questions asked. But in that also, 
all of those things filter through and you find yourself in this place of responsibility. I, I think grace and compassion for oneself is incredibly important, especially as you're initially discovering things, right? I mean, you're going to fail so often in life. You're going to fail more than you're going to be successful. And so if you can be okay with that and acknowledge it and look at it and go, oh, I learned here so I don't repeat this behavior, that's a win. If you are assessing this and you're repeating the behavior 27 times, right? Well, now you need to ask your question what you're really doing, because then you're talking about self-sabotage. Then you're talking about not showing up. Then you're talking about not being accountable and keeping your commitments. I teach people all the time. If you can't keep your commitment to yourself, how are you going to ever expect other people to understand or trust that you're going to keep the commitment you're making to them? And one of the hardest things that we do is put ourselves in a position of being okay with being successful. <laughs> it's okay to be successful, but you got to convince yourself of that. And you got to do the hard work. You, you know what you were doing the day before you were supposed to do that thing. There mm -hmm. was a 17 minute period in that day where you could have been getting ready. Right. But you were like, for whatever reason, I'm not like calling you out people who do this all the time. Right. But, but in that moment, it's like, ah, I'll be fine. Well, yep. will you? Because every time you're convincing yourself that it's going to be okay when you didn't put in the effort and it's not okay, that's where people shame spiral. They're like, oh, I do this all the time. Yeah, because you're allowing yourself to do it. Like, I think one of the most difficult things is moving through that place in your life where you just simply assess the truth of the reality. If your life isn't what you want it to be, it's because you've decided that it's not what you want it to be by your actions or by your inactions. And one of the things that I write down in my journal every single day, literally the first thing I write down, face fear. Yeah. I don't know what my fear is going to be today yet. It's six o'clock in the morning. I don't know yet. It hasn't happened, but it's coming. And sometimes that fear, that's that 17 minute window where you're like, oh, I need to do this thing. That's the most important thing about life is massive clarity about where you're going and then holding yourself to it no matter what. I firmly believe this. If you adopt the mindset of no excuses, just results, you will find that you're willing to push yourself forward every single day because there's always going to be the next fear, the next pandemic, the next accident, the next mistake, the next illness, the next sickness, the, like whatever it is, it's coming. Mm -hmm. I promise you it's coming. <laughs> it's going to be here. So what are you going to do when it shows up? You know, it's really funny. Um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my experiences with, with my son and, um, you know, for a long time, I did not face what was going on with him. But for me, yes, it was fear, but it also wore a different mask. And I call them distraction and denial. You know, when you when that thing is in front of you, you will almost do anything to not look it in the face. You distract yourself, you deny, oh, it's not there, it's not coming. Or as you said, oh, it, you know, it'll be all right, I'll be fine. So I think it's important to note that, that you know, we think of fear as one thing, but it, it can come at you in different forms. It's not always that gut clenching, oh my God, I'm terrified. It's not always mm. that, but yeah. it, fear can wear different, different faces. But at the end of the day, it's all about that. I mean, do you, and, and you mentioned something else, which I thought was really important, this idea that you talk about accountability. That and you sometimes you you hold feet people's feet to the fire and sometimes you need a buddy to do that for you. You know, I I think about this a lot 
my people ask me all the time, like, what's your number one fear? The thing that drives me is that on my deathbed, there is a potential that like that moment, you know, right there, that last breath, that the only thought going through my head is going to be regret. Mm. And that is a life unlived and nothing, nothing is scarier than I've already suffered the worst, but you've already had the worst experience that will ever happen in your life. It already happened, Mm. right? To put yourself in a position to be successful, you've got to be willing to address and look at that fear dead on because it's going to come in a magnitude of ways. Starting the podcast, leaving the job, asking the person out for coffee, you know, taking the kid to the soccer game, getting in your car. You should be terrified to get in your car every day. You should be terrified to get in your car every day, but you're not. Why? Because you made a decision that getting in your car is worth the risk of death to go do the thing that you want to do. Apply that to everything in your life. I'm willing to die for my dreams, period. I'm willing to die for them. I'm willing to die to look in the mirror and be okay with the reflection on the other side. I'm willing to uproot my whole life, change everything all the time, travel the world, write a book with no high school diploma, coach thousands and thousands of people, have a podcast that 50,000 people a month listen to. Like I'm willing to face the fear of all the things that I have to do in order to have the life that I want to have because I'm going to get in the car anyway. So I might as well go somewhere I want to go. Right. And that's the thing about this, because at the end of the day, if you die in that last gasp, you go, oh, I wish I would have. You wasted all of this. Wow. wow. You know, I, here's here's the next piece I want to unpack with you, because you've got everybody motivated now. OK, I'm going to face that fear. I'm going to just do it. Here's what I learned just last week as I'm transitioning in another thing that I'm trying to switch in my mindset and how my life goes. Somebody, I forget what I was reading, said the growth when you are so uncomfortable with that change and it's so unfamiliar and you're scared and uncomfortable, that's the growth point. That's when you know that you're growing. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because honestly, Michael, that has what has kept me every day keeping at it because I that motivation wanes and, you know, they go on to another podcast episode. But what is it in that in that uncomfortable and the growth that can keep us moving in that direction? Yeah. Um, I don't believe in motivation at all. I think it's the dumbest thing on planet earth. I could get everybody listening right now. So fired up and motivated that we would run a marathon today. And I'd be like, run it tomorrow on your own. And they wouldn't do it. No. Look, the reality is like, you can leverage motivation to get started. It's a great igniter, but it Mm -hmm. ain't going to carry you through because it's gone like that. The way that I think about life, is very simple. Focus on something that is bigger than you that you need to move towards. In my life, my mission, Think Unbroken, what I do every single moment of every single day is about one thing, period. My mission and my goal is to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information so that I make myself obsolete in the marketplace in the hopes that one day people pick up any of the litany of books or programs or podcasts or anything I've ever made and go, this is stupid. Why would I need this? Who hurts children? Mm. And because I've made a decision to align myself with something greater than me, 
I am willing to move forward every single day. I don't need motivation. Mm. I got, Mm. I got 18 years of it. (laughs) I already had it. I had the motivation. Now it's about execution. Follow through that action. Doing what you said. hundred percent. Look, you've got to decide, decide, make a decision about your life and have massive action towards a thing that's bigger than you period. Otherwise, like, look, it's going to wane. You're going to wake up and look, I wake up on days. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, I've done 37 podcasts this month. I was on stage eight times. I was on 15 planes. And in those moments when that happens, because I promise you it does, Mm -hmm. I go into the dark energy. I go to the dark side of the force. We know that place. (laughs) I remember all those people who told me I was never going to be anything. Mm-hmm. All the people who laughed at me, all the people who made fun of me because I wet the bed, all the people who never wanted to be my friends, my community, my parents, my fan, like everybody who said, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. And that 5% of the time, maybe at seven where I'm like, yo, I don't want to do this. I tap into that and I go, watch me. Mm. You've got to make a decision about your life. It's all about the decision. You got to make, we we talk about that all the time. Michael, this has been one of the most energizing, enlightening, dare I say motivational, except that you told us we have to take action. So I'm going to put that in there too. Conversations. (laughs) And we thank you so much for being with us. Where can people find you so that they can get more of this and begin to heal from their childhood traumas? Yeah. And it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. Um, but if you listen to the Think Unbroken podcast or go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, um, I put everything I do for free there, period. Awesome. All right, everybody, listen, here's what I want you to, want you to take away from this right now. Michael is wearing a shirt that says Think Unbroken, and that is his company name. And as we're talking about living brilliantly resilient, If you have, when you have to reset your mindset, you think unbroken, think brilliant, think in that direction, make the decision and take those actions. Go find Michael because you're going to need to be fed his information every day to keep growing. And it is phenomenal, especially the Instagram. It is absolutely phenomenal and has so many points of the brilliantly resilient program in it. It is. That's why I was so happy to be able to talk to you. Thanks for joining us and everybody go to brilliantlyresilient.net, blink three times, and a magic window appears where you can sign up to get a bit of brilliance delivered right to your email box every week. And soon you'll see Think Unbroken with Michael in that bit of brilliance. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.